Hey, Jets fans, welcome back to the Jet-Centric Podcast. I'm Chris with your Game 16 recap, where the Winnipeg Jets beat the New Jersey Devils 5-2 tonight. We're joined with AJ. Hello. Alistair. Hello. And first-time guest, Katie. Hi. Hey, guys. Uh, what'd you guys think tonight? Uh, nice win, I think. Uh, let's go, Katie, your first time. What do you think? How did it go tonight? It was okay. I mean... It was one of those nights where I think, you know, you look at the stats for the game and you actually watch it and, you know, the stats and the eye test don't line up at all. There were a lot of score effects going on. The Jets didn't feel like shooting like at all ever during the third period, but they were up by five. So that's kind of, well, they, it was five to two. So it was kind of to be expected. That's what I'm <laughs> Alistair, what did you see tonight? Well, I mean, I've got to agree with Katie. Um, I think overall the, uh, the Shifley line and the cop line had really good nights. And uh, everyone else got kind of buried in the score effect. So, you know, what can you do? Andrew, Nick did Patan you? Really good. What was that, Katie? <laughs> oh, I just said Nick Patan looked really good. Doesn't he always when he's playing with real line mates? Are we going to get there right away? <laughs> so, yeah, I was I was waiting for my turn. I was going to get right into it. Okay, oh, so I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's it's all good. I, so me, I I did not watch the game at all. I was tracking it on my phone, kind of the whole way. I was uh, out with the family tonight and uh, paying way too much attention to my phone, but uh, trying to just like get a read on uh, what everyone was saying, depending on the people that were on uh, Twitter and and what their opinions usually go. I think I have a pretty good idea of what the game looked like and uh, PVR'd it. So I'm going to go back and watch. Uh, certain shifts of players and whatnot. But it sounds like Patan uh, had a game like Chris, you already mentioned, saying uh, playing with some real line mates. I mean, for those of us who kind of always believed in the guy, um, you just felt like it was a, a matter of time that uh, he would hopefully get a chance and, and, and show what he's got. Uh, Blake Wheeler, obviously getting more points, I think is, is really, really great for the team. Obviously being the captain, it's nice to see that uh, he keeps getting those points over and over. I think it's 10 games in a row now with, with at least a point and, there was some stat about uh, the last nine or ten goals that he was involved in in some some way. And uh, so that that's really great for him. Obviously, there's still concerns about his long-term contract. But, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get there next year. We can have that conversation then. But uh, for right now, I think uh, it's it's good. And he's definitely worth what, uh, what he's getting paid. So it's uh, nice to see him leading by example because uh, he's a great captain. He's a great player. He had a, you know, hell of a year last year. And it's nice to see that uh, continue. And I think people can play off it. There's obviously some players that want to see, you know, just kind of switching gears, uh, see them get on the score sheet a little bit more. Uh, but uh, seems like the scoring and, and uh, the time too, I think everybody was above 10 minutes. Um, things uh, look, look promising, but again, the Jets haven't really beat any contenders yet. They have beat a lot of bad teams that they, they should beat, or like maybe not, not really good teams, maybe another way of saying it. And uh, New Jersey is one of them. I believe they gave up 45 goals in the last 10 games. And again, they were on, on pace for that tonight. So they are who we thought they were, right? There, there was no surprise. And the Jets being, you know, the second best team in the league last year should do exactly what they did tonight. But hopefully the, the game, you know, starts to tighten up and they can build towards, you know, the offseason already or the, the, the playoffs. I know this is early, but uh, obviously that's the goal that you want to be peaking at the right time. So... That's my take on uh, what I've seen and heard and uh, the little bit that I saw actually right at the very end of the game when I got home. But, uh, and yeah, that's my little rant. So. <laughs> so one time in high school, I did a book report on a book I didn't read. So that was very similar to that right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cole's notes. Yeah, no, you, I'm, I'm reading off a bunch of other people and what they said and, and knowing what to, what to expect from the lineups and what, what we've been seeing going forward. So, yeah, it's uh, some of it's pretty obvious in a way. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, nice, again, like to see some of those guys firing. Just got to get, get a little bit more. I think this is probably the end of Brendan, the Brendan Lemieux experience, uh, experiment. Um, that's, that's how I see things right now. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious what they, they do with that uh, line A with uh, Tanev uh, line because I don't think Tanev is quite the right person. But if Patan and or Roslovic play really well, you can see one of them probably getting bumped up and Tanev coming down, which is going to hurt whoever's left on that fourth line because he's obviously not as good as what they got. So, I think, though, if that fourth line 
is a fourth line and plays the way the four, uh, the minutes that the fourth line has been playing previously, it wouldn't matter if Tanev and Cop uh, are, are, are on it. Um, a huge thing uh, AJ brought up is the fact that the Jets have been beating teams that aren't very good. Now, this will be, I think, two podcasts in a row where we've mentioned another sport. In football, it seems that good teams always beat the teams they should beat, right? The Patriots right. often right. lose to uh, – not often lose because they don't often lose. But if they're going to lose, they're going to lose to the Colts they with turn. Manning or – you know what I mean? Um, but they never lose to the Clevelands or the, the Miami Dolphins and that sort of thing, right? So that's a super important thing. How much do you think – it matters right now that the Jets are winning every game, literally every game they should they should win. Well, I, for one, think uh, it's really important to bank all the points you can get uh, early in the season. So, you know, worst case scenario, they're kind of guaranteeing themselves better playoff position, you know, when the time comes. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I Go think ahead, that- Andy. Oh, I just said I would agree. Um, I'm not entirely as optimistic um, about this team as you guys are. Like they're 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 starting to slowly get better, but even even with this improvement, they're just sort of starting to break even. You know, kind of league average with um, shot attempt differential, and they're still kind of below league average for expected goals. So, and you can kind of see that, you know, that lines up with what I see when I watch them They they just seem to <laughs> give up a lot of opportunities going back the other way often, like far more often than, you know, we, we were used to last year. I think we were very spoiled and in, in these past few teams, they've started to like take steps to look like the jets of old, you know, kind of sustaining that, if, that offensive zone pressure, the cycle looked really great, but I'd like to see more than a few games of that myself, honestly. I'd like to see them keep up with that for a while and do it against some really good teams. Like, not not just the devils of the hockey world. I want to see them, for example, uh, do it against, well, Washington's been kind of okay. But, yeah, that would be a start. If they can really get going and sustain that for a decent amount of games, then I'll start to be a little more optimistic. For sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, I just think that, you know, if they're, I think they can play better, and I think they will get there eventually. And you know, the fact that they're banking points while they're not looking very good, I think bodes well ultimately for the season, uh, assuming they do get better at some point. Well, they've also uh, been suffering from like a really low team wide shooting percentage, right? So they they are going to get a little bit better in that regard, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, it's just a matter of time. I think if you listen to uh, the previous any of the previous recaps, you'd know how hard uh, <laughs> all of us are on these these games as we go like super like microscopic on them because I think we all are in agreement that despite the wins and uh, you know, the record's fantastic, you feel like there's so much more that could be happening. I mean, tonight they scored five goals on what was it, twenty five, twenty six shots. Um, New Jersey never really looked in the game. Schneider's been struggling. So you wonder, again, you're just kind of preying on a, on a lesser team at this point. And like you said, what happens on Wednesday against a Washington, right? Even on uh, Friday against a Buffalo that's playing a lot stronger. That's when you want to see that stuff. I just want to change gears quickly. What did you guys think of the Bufflin hit? Alistair? Uh, I mean, I think there was head contact. I don't think he was head hunting the way Lemieux was the other day. Katie, yeah, what did you see? Yeah, it looked like there was some head contact. I, I kind of watched slow-mo uh, recaps on Twitter, and it looked at like um, his helmet kind of popped off a little bit. But, yeah, it, it certainly wasn't anywhere like Lemieux-level dirty. But I wouldn't be shocked if he got a call. AJ, what did you see? Yeah, you know, I, I just saw the the replays and watched them a couple times there and uh, saw, saw a lot of the comments too. But uh, from what I saw, the I'm not, I'm not sure what the, the point of contact. I, I think you'd have to look at it with a microscope to really get that down. But it looks like there's quite a bit of a run-up, and I think that's maybe one of the concerning things that would be against Bufflin in this, that it wasn't just, you know, turn the guys there and then you, you go for a hit. But, I mean – Looks like he's coming from, you know, 15 feet away. Like in the the shots that I saw, he wasn't even on screen. And all of a sudden he comes like flying into the screen and hits the guy. So there's definitely time to 
react, change your angle, whatever it is. Um, so did he hit the head? Uh, I guess it remains to be seen. But uh, the fact that the, he had a bit of a, uh, a wind up to it, I think, is what's going to be problematic and probably work against him. So um, it just seems a bit more uh, predatory in, in, in the nature because it, it just wasn't, like I said, like against the boards. You turn all of a sudden a guy's there and you clip him in the head as you start to go up ice or something. Those ones where you have time to react. Um, you, you should you, you should be required to react. So if you got him in the head, then I think he's definitely gonna, you know, get a call, get a suspension, something like that. But uh, yeah, that, that's kind of what I saw. But I I'm not good with these things. I I think because the Department of Player Safety uh, historically, I think they've maybe been getting a little bit better. Um, sometimes they do they get it right. Sometimes they don't. But uh, um, they're they're so hard to read. You think like, oh yeah, definitely. And then a guy doesn't even get a call. And then other times you're like, nah, that's nothing. Then meanwhile, guys are getting suspension. So it doesn't seem like they're very consistent with things. So I'm not gonna try and guess if they're gonna be consistent on this one or not. It's the wheel of justice. You never know where it's gonna land. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of agree with you that I think since uh, I think I want to say Brad May, a uh, player like that took over. Who is it? Oh, uh, George Peros. Oh, Peros. Yeah. Okay. So a guy that, yeah, you know, can't really play. Uh, since, since he kind of took over, I agree that they're a little more consistent for sure. Um, what I saw was I didn't think about what you said about the fact that there was some run up, but more so what I saw was, uh, the arm got in the way. So even if he was going to hit the head, I don't think it was the first point of contact. It might have been the principal, but I don't think it was the first because the, the New Jersey guy's arm was in between the two. That's what I saw after watching it about 40 times. But I'm also not good at seeing that stuff, but I'm also the first guy that doesn't just defend a guy because he's he plays for the team that I cheer for. So um, The Jets made a couple roster moves today. They called up Sammy Niku, which is something, first of all, that a lot of Jets fans wanted, and second of all, was basically promised to us during training camp uh, by the management. We'll see him, we'll see him. So that might happen. And the Jets made a curious, should we call it, signing today? Um, (laughs) So you guys want to talk about those two things. Uh, It's open. Go ahead. What you think about the Niku bringing up and, and, and the signing today. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll just uh, touch. I'll let someone else uh, handle. You guys can talk about the Niku one because I think you'll probably cover my thoughts on that too. Uh, anyhow, but uh, the one with the Logan Shaw, I think it comes down to the lack of people that you could actually have up in the press box. I think he probably goes down to the Moose and they call up uh, maybe Seth Seth Griffith or maybe Appleton, someone else. Uh, maybe not Appleton. They'll probably be somebody that you feel a bit more okay sitting in the press box. But uh, with the loss of Dano to waivers, with the uh, obvious, um, the fact that they're not really prepared to leave Veselainen up and be in the lineup. Uh, you, they didn't even take him to Finland, as we've talked about before. It seems like the press and and Patan obviously playing his way onto the team. The people to have an extra forward, kind of skating with the team and practicing, they've kind of lost the obvious options. So I think this is probably to give the Moose some depth so they can pull a, a guy up that they're okay to, to sit in the press box. That's, that's the way that I see it. So um, as a player, like, I don't think that he should be the guy that would be in the press box. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, there's better players that you'd want on your practice squad. Um, but uh, I, I think it's pretty much negligible. He's, he's probably going to be a moose player the same way that like they, you know, got Scarbosa and everyone was wondering if he's going to steal Patan's job last year. And it's like, well, no, no, he's not. I mean, Patan sat in the press box and Scarbosa played more than, Actually, went down to the moose too. But um, anyhow, so I, I see it kind of similar to that, where people kind of get concerned that this is a potential NHL, you know, player who's not, you know, very good. But it's likely so they can uh, just steal somebody from the moose and not, you know, devastate their depth per se. Uh, my question is, what is depth? Depth uh, sometimes when people talk about it, it just means a, a body, right? Like, oh, we've got thirty guys, that, so that's our depth. But I mean, depth. Doesn't mean it. I always think it should mean some amount of skill. So if a guy's not very good, you don't have depth. You just have bodies. But um, yeah, I think it's a negligible move. Honestly, it's not as big of a deal as it seemed like. So okay. So playing off of what AJ's saying is the Jets have a track record of taking guys away from the Moose, not playing them, and quote unquote developing them in the press box. 
This is yeah. a common, right? This is a common, common move for a team that apparently is the best in the league at drafting and developing. Katie, what's your take on Sammy Niku being called up? Uh, what's the thought process? What are they thinking? And, you know, do we see him? Um, I, I would like to say that we see him. We better, but I don't know. I, I found Paul Maurice's um, posts, I guess, practice comments really, really odd. He said that, you know, Mora was ahead of him because it was about winning. Um, you know, I, I don't know what you would expect from, you know, Maurice, the coach. He's long proven that he's willing to keep going with the player that isn't doing well and, you know, has never shown much of anything rather than taking a chance on a guy that might not be good, but he also might be good. You just don't know. You'd rather have the thing that the known quantity that's failing rather than the unknown quantity that might fail. So who knows? Like it, it may take a really awful game from either Moro or Sherat to get Niku in. Like, so a standard game. game. Yeah, no, like. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I don't know, like almost like Brendan Lemieux level, something deeply terrible that makes even the I don't know Garden Variety pom pom fan angry, or an injury. Not that I you know would wish right. injury on anybody, but I mean. We've we've seen that happen where guys get called up from the moose. They sit in the press box, and you, the sentiment at the time when they're brought up is, "Oh, he'll just you know be there for a few games, get a feel for things, practice with the team, and then he'll get a shot." And they never do. Yeah. And huh. you know they send them back to the moose full of popcorn, and that's I don't know. So to answer your question, I don't not I do not know what to expect or if we will see him. Sorry, I just I want to touch on Katie's point there about the the players. There's uh, two seasons ago when uh, the Jets did not make the playoffs. I believe that season, Kyle Connor, uh, in the midst of our terrible schedule that was so hard and so grueling, whatnot. I believe Kyle Connor that season had about eight games in the press box. I think Chase DeLeo had uh, seven or eight. Patan had about twelve. Dano had about ten. They like there are a bunch of them. And I go, you have. I just remember that was the narrative, right? That. Um, we were so tired, our schedule was so bad, and I thought, you have skilled players, you can easily slot into the lineup and, you know, give a bit more minutes to your third and fourth line to take a bit away from your first and second line to sort of adjust that. So to your point, Kate, that's like exactly what we've seen. If if anybody wants to go back and look at the healthy scratches over the what it, season, I mean, the 2016-17 season or whatever it was, um, that, that season there's like clear indication that that happens so if people are listening to this and they're like no that doesn't true i i'm pro paul maurice just just look at the track record it is there where there's been good players that have sat for long periods of time when the team marco, could have used them right marco so, dano sat for two years <laughs> honestly like that's not a, right it's not a joke he sat for two years in a press box and I'm not saying Marco Dano's a savior of any sort, but if you need a guy that can play on four, any of your four lines and not hurt you, that that's your guy. That's a perfect. It's a perfect. And he, it's sorry, it's he's not a a plug, but he's a perfect plug. Yeah. And they didn't even use him. And yeah, that's and, frustrating. You you can take minutes away from like you know say that third line of Lowry. Or even our Armia has like an off night. You can take him out, put a guy like Dano in at that that time, right when we had both those players still here. Then it, that line you can still leave their minutes as is, or bump it up a bit because you got a fresh guy coming in who's got lots of energy, something to prove. And then you can take a couple minutes away from the first line, hopefully depending on you know the score effects and where the game's at, and hopefully you know take take a little pressure off of uh, off your top line guys that you want to be fresh, you know, come playoff time when you know that those first three lines are going to get all the minutes, right? So, Well, that would be ideal, really, because as it is right now, like with the exception of this past game where the fourth line got like over 10 minutes, uh, you're really just running, especially those first two lines into the ground. Like if you're only playing the fourth line six minutes every night, it's going to look exactly like it looked all those years where it was the you know, Thorburn line, <laughs> barely playing, and the Jets never made the playoffs. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how Paul Maurice can, like, 
do this constantly and say, oh, this will be fine over 82 games plus the playoffs. I'm, I'm sure Blake Wheeler won't die. And he's the going to be awesome. Well, and he's this is the same guy that played Archer's Urbe 73 games or something in a season. <laughs> so, I mean, so Allie, what what's your I mean, I think we're getting close to wrapping up here. What's your take on this this press box, this Niku uh yeah, you know. So, okay, I guess I have two things to say. One is uh if anything is going to get Niku into the lineup, it's Buff maybe getting a suspension for that hit. So, <laughs> you know, that might work. It'll probably mean Niku on the offside, which is kind of setting him up to fail. But, you know. No, it will mean, it mean Myers on the offside, won't it? <laughs> no, no, that doesn't work right. They're just trying to do that. Yeah, I don't know. It won't be pretty. <laughs> most likely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing is, you know, kind of going what we were just talking about, is rest is... That's... That's kind of a sports cliche. And, you know, Maurice doesn't seem to get that. He never has, really. Like, why wasn't Brossois in this game? You know? The team's rested. You know, they're up against a relatively weak team that's been struggling. Why did Hellebuck need this one? Hmm? Yeah. I'd like to know. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to add one more thing for you to touch on. Brendan Lemieux's suspension is done. Yeah, and he's going right to the press box. I think that that's the best game from a fourth line we've seen all year. So Does, I don't think there's the often time that that for some reason Paul Maurice doesn't seem to see the same things that you or I or Tony or uh, <laughs> or Marat or any of those people seem to see. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, I, what I saw. All I'm saying is just and. I know everybody that listens to this is tired of hearing AJ and I talking about Nick Patan. What I saw tonight, you have a third line on Wednesday that's Patan, Lowry, and Lining. I mean, that's not even a, a question in my brain. For sure. and, it, and it's not going to happen. And, and so these are the things you wonder, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think Lemieux is going to be sitting for a while. And it's not just because, you know, it's Patan that he could potentially be taking up, but like... The coach is going to want to like discipline him for that that brutal game, you know. And I don't think the suspension will be enough uh, internally to take care of it. So, yeah. And he, it's not like he's been playing lights out before that. He's been literally one of the worst players by every measurable stat. And like, it doesn't matter if you're a Brandon Lemieux fan. That's fine if people like him, they like his name, whatever they like his style of play. But like by every measurable stat, he's been one of the worst Jets. So there's not even a real strong argument to bring him back into the lineup. For any reason, because now he's also in the doghouse because of the, you know, what Maurice basically said was costing them the game, the second game in in, in Finland, right, against Florida. So uh, that that doesn't help his cause at all. I mean, uh, again, I think I uh, I'm thinking he might be in the moose uh, sooner than he's in the press box. To be to be honest with you, in that uh, Logan Shaw addition, maybe you know, again, gives him a chance to bring Seth, Seth Griffith up. It would be like the first one that comes to mind uh, for me and send Brendan Lemieux down. And you got one guy in the press box and, uh, you know, with the, the moves just down the hall, I don't know if they really need to carry all 23 on the roster and stuff. I think they're only carrying 21 tonight or 20. I don't know. They're down a guy, at least one for sure from what they're allowed to carry. And so you save a bit of cap space and, and actual dollars. And so, you know, if the, the farm team's down, down the hall, just, just let Lemieux go play and just figure it out and get his penalty minutes down. That's something I don't understand, is that they don't use the schedule to their advantage with their call-ups and call-downs. Everybody in the media beats it about, oh, they're just down the hall, they're just down the hall, but you never see them call up a guy from Saturday or from Sunday morning till Thursday sit in the press box and then go back down for the moose and play, you know, Friday, Saturday, like they never do that stuff. And I just can't like the, the player management and some of that stuff is like really like Bush league to me. Like the guys could still be on the NHL roster and playing their AHL games without fucking everything up. And it, I just, I, it baffles me. It's really weird. It's, uh, very, it's very not true. <laughs> it's not like it's Vancouver and, and Winnipeg when it was, you know, 10 years ago. And and it was hard to bring a guy back and forth and all that kind of, which isn't that hard. It's a three hour it's a three hour flight, but it, it just drives me nuts that they would bring up a guy, take him away from the moose, and have him sit. And then you know, anyway, yeah, which I'm very curious. 
it's probably likely why Niku does get in the lineup because I don't think, like when you talk about guys that can sit in the press box, um, and it makes maybe a bit more sense to have them with the team but not necessarily playing. I think, uh, uh, like like Alistair pointed out, the thing about Buff coming out, if he's got a suspension, then Niku's in for sure. But uh, if Buff's still playing, I think I think we see Niku in uh, on, on Wednesday, uh, no matter what, and it's Morrow or Buff that's out. Uh, maybe, yeah, well, but, uh, one, I, one of the two. And then uh, pro- I think I think Brendan Lemieux goes down. Uh, you know, they make a roster move at some point this week, and he goes I, down, and somebody else comes up. I agree 100 percent with Katie that what Maurice said today has gives no indication to that. And again, why you're not bringing up guys for those specific situations? Yeah, if you need a guy to sit in a press box, then then Pullman is is your guy, right? Yeah. He's not affecting the moose. He's can he he's older. He's more mature. Whatever, whatever. He's not an impact player. He's just a, a spot filler, right? So again, I just don't understand the, the logic. It, it's yeah. the old thing when they call up a scorer from the HL and then put him on the fourth line. If and you need a fourth are- line guy, call up a a second line moose guy. I was just gonna say the moose are exactly guilty of doing the same thing too i mean luke green has been in for mm-hmm. what <laughs> this year like yeah, yeah. and this and the terrifying thing is like in in the future when um bufflin gets old and myers is likely not resigned and truba is likely traded because he won't resign what where is your right-handed um D depth, like th- there is none. It's Luke Green. You kind of t- and Tucker Pullman. You kind of have to see what you've got in the kit, right? Like, <laughs> and yet all you do is see him eating popcorn. They will send him down, like to the ECHL, to give him some playing time. He just sits there. It's very baffling. It's it's just, you know, <laughs> we come every we come on here after every game and try to be positive. They've won two games in a row, five two. And we <laughs> end the night. <laughs> we're, we're five games over 500. Yeah. Uh, four games over real 500. Um, and we're left scratching our head. And it's, it's well, that's a hashtag. It's sad. Um, so we'll end it there. Um, you guys no, were no, awesome. No, no. Don't yeah. end it. Hold on. Hold on. All right. The, I just I just want to make one point. Everyone else can make points too. We don't have to end yet. But uh, all right, you're the uh, boss because you're the one that said let's keep it short. So if you want to go for an hour, I'm down. <laughs> no, so. no, no, no. Um, but uh, the the one thing that I'm learning to do more and more though, and this isn't like again, it's not a bash Maurice night or something like that. We I think everyone knows that we probably have a bent that don't where we don't trust him as much as maybe would another coach or we, we question some decisions, but I mean, he is the guy that's most able to affect change with the jets. He is a head coach. So I'd much rather him kind of get on board and make better decisions, I suppose. Um, so I, this isn't a, a bashing him, but I've just learned to feel like I don't really trust what he says. So even what he said about Niku um, can just be spun. If he's in the next game, it's like, well, we got to give him a chance to, to prove himself. Right. So that, that narrative of, Morals better than him can quickly turn into well we need to see what we have in him right and and people don't remember that I mean people have real bad short-term memory uh with a lot of the jet stuff I feel like I got a pretty good grid on what was all said at certain times and I remember it happening with the goalie narratives uh two years ago with uh, Hella Buck and then when Pavlik came up and Hutchinson and it was like oh uh he 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 won two games in a row so we're gonna let him sit so he ends on a high note and then it's like if Pavlik wins two games in a row while well, we're riding the hot hand. And it's like, no, like, Hellebuck's a professional goalie. You don't have to sit him because he, you, you know what I mean? So the, you can always take a narrative and just spin it one way or the other. So I could see Niku getting in, and it's like everyone just goes, see, well, they want to see what they have in him, as opposed to what he just said tonight, which makes you think, like, he's definitely not going to trust him, right? So I don't trust what Maurice says, and I'm not saying that in, a, in like, a very mean way so much as, uh, people can just turn on a dime and it can always be explained by whatever's happening at that moment. So it's, uh, so I wouldn't take too much stock into what he said, although it is a little bit concerning and it doesn't, it seems uh, counterintuitive because Niku's obviously a very, very capable defenseman, part of the future of the team, you know, real high upside, but uh, yeah, just, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust it too, uh, too much. Uh, he's uh, Maurice is pretty predictable with a, a lot of things. Um, but uh, one of the things that he is predictable is that the stuff that comes out of his mouth um, can change quickly 
and he's such a good talker. No, no, I'm serious, but like he's such a good talker that people don't realize they didn't see the shift. You know what I mean? It's sort of mm-hmm. like that the, the shell and ball game, right? It's sort of like you didn't see that there. He's, that a, he's a used car salesman. Yeah, and I, I'm, yeah, trying say this, I'm trying to say like that. Like a really, like a really good one. Like yeah. seriously. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say he's a politician. Like, yeah, right. Same, same thing. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, just I'm, I'm trying to say it in a, a way that's fair because I'm not trying to say that he's being uh, deceitful with everything he says. It's just if you put stock in everything he says and and try and follow it up, you'll see tons of inconsistencies with it. But the one consistent thing is he'll always have a reasoning, and that reasoning will generally be accepted by the masses as, oh yeah, that makes sense. But it's yeah, like, he's a, yeah, he's a sailor. That's he's yeah. a top sailor in Manitoba. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I wouldn't put too much stock in what he said about Niku because I think we'll see him uh, sooner than later and probably be a regular in the lineup too. As um, a player like uh, Morrow starts to fall more and more out of favor, the same way like Melchiori. I mean, the the people talked uh, highly of Melchiori when he was here, and now now who is he? What is he? It, it's it's so negligible. But meanwhile, you felt like it was the second coming of you know, uh, a real solid third pair defenseman. And now he'll, he'll never be in the NHL ever again, but he was spoken highly of at the time. Like it was a big deal. And a lot of people who maybe pay attention to the details would say, uh, this is nonsense and turns out it was nonsense, but of course they're going to say the right things. You know what I mean? And uh, so I think he says the right things, which is I trust veterans because you don't want to, you know, piss off your veterans and the rookies need to prove themselves. And so that's pretty much all that he said, which is, very consistent with what he always says, but what he does, he'll have an excuse for. So anyhow, I'm done. Sorry. So well, Kate, well, hold on, Katie, before you <laughs> chime in, before you chime in, AJ, find that quote from Micah. <laughs> because that was the one that Katie, Katie loosely quoted earlier. So we'll go, go back to that. If AJ can find that quote, but Katie, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. When I said that too. Sorry. Yeah, because it, no, it's awesome because all of you guys have touched on it today because it's so relevant today. It's just it's, it's, <laughs> here, here. It's from July twenty fourth, twenty seventeen. Micah said the day that NHL teams prefer to play young players who might be bad instead of old players who are definitely bl- bad will be a beautiful day. And yes, Katie, you pretty much uh, <laughs> paraphrased that really well. Sorry, there. That, that's the one. Chris fantastic. Was looking for. Yeah, oh. fantastic. And that's what AJ was just saying as well. I mean. You have a known quantity or an unknown quantity. You have a you have a comfort zone, and uh, NHL coaches are the definition of comfort zone, right? That's why they don't play wide open hockey. That's why they'd rather lose three two than win six five. We, we got to let Katie talk. She's trying to butt in, and we're giving her the Jim Acosta chop on the arm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Sped up is not doctored. <laughs> Sped up is not doctored. <laughs> difference though between the you know what's going on now and the Melchiori uh, situation you were describing earlier the team was genuinely bad then like they, they yeah. were just kind of searching for whatever they could get in the left-handed D slot they like those that was back in the Mark Stewart days mm-hmm. you know we we do have better options now we shouldn't have to like dredge around for AHL lifers and pretend they're the set they're the next coming of a decent defenseman there are legitimate options where there really wasn't before. So I think that's what kind of makes it a little more frustrating this time mm-hmm. around with the Moro mm-hmm. situation, especially for someone like me who has watched Moro with the Bruins. And like, I think um, <laughs> I, I had seen enough of him long before he got traded to Winnipeg. And now I have to see more and it's awful. No, continue with that. Continue with that. Tell us what you saw in Boston and why, because we've seen it, I mean, because we interact with you on Twitter, we know what you've seen and how you felt about Joe Morrow for, you know, uh, since he came over. And then the re-signing, I think, was uh, really puzzling, right? That's how, you know. Yeah. And Katie, so, you have a really good quote about Morrow, too, that you should uh, should say. I'm not sure if you remembered it or not, but you had a really good uh, one-liner about Morrow's game. I don't remember it at all. You said it, was, really it, made, an, it made an appearance in uh, one of our last episodes, I think. Yeah, you said he's really good for offense on both ends of the ice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who came up with that, but you're the one that I heard say it for the first time, I think, last year, whenever it was. So. Oh, man, well, one time ago. Yeah, it, it, if you look at his heat maps, it, it literally looks like a, a 
friggin' hab sweater got put in a blender, just bright red and bright blue everywhere, offense everywhere. It's 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 terrifying. Um, I don't know, like a Cole's notes version. In in his time in Boston, he was well, he was still waiver eligible. He was sent down to Providence like regularly. He didn't really have a season where he played for like played on the team the whole time. I think he got, you know, some time in um the 2016-17 playoff run be- just because they were decimated by injuries and he really cost the team during that playoff run. It was sad to watch. And then he moved on to the Habs and sat in the press box there. He was the designated popcorn Melchiori dude. And now, you know, he had a decent, okay-ish time with Bufflin last year, which is unsurprising because Bufflin has the ability to kind of elevate any player. He's done it for Sherratt for many, many years. That's why Sherratt has an NHL career, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, people just seem to maybe turn a blind eye when he turns over the puck 80,000 times a game. And I'm not sure what everybody sees in him, to be honest. He, he looks like the exact same player today as he did um, four years ago. So Alistair, what, let's dig a little deeper now. Cause now we're, now we're, we're going deep. What is it about a Jets fan that refuses to see, um, Tyler Myers, uh, or tire fires, uh, whatever you might want to call him. Um, <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> ben. <laughs> oh, did we lose Chris? Oh, sorry, you, we lost him. Oh, we lost Chris. Okay, well, maybe he'll be back. Yeah, Alistair, you can. <laughs> you heard what his question was. Yeah, sorry, my phone. T- my phone timed out. It, where Where does a Jets fan not see? Um, what a what a Bruins fan or Bruins executive saw two years ago, and and how are you re-signing a guy like this? And how are Jets fans just constantly defending a player like this? So, okay, I'm I'm trying to keep a, a relatively positive mindset here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I think they see how he looked with Bufflin, and they think that is the player because that was kind of their first introduction to him. You know, yeah. uh, for a Jets fan who doesn't follow the Bruins or doesn't follow the Habs super closely, they saw him walk in and look pretty decent with Buff. And so that was their first impression. And they've stuck with it. And it's also the impre- that's also the, the impression that Maurice keeps feeding the media, right? That, you know, Morrow is super capable. He, he, he is a solid defenseman. He, you know, does his job. Uh, but it's not necessarily true or it's not necessarily true every night anyway mm-hmm. and I, I don't know I think uh, a lot of people do tend to follow the media narratives and the media narratives tend to be exactly what Maurice is saying and Maurice always seems to protect his players you know which makes a lot of sense yeah, uh, yeah I don't know more critical thinking I guess would, would maybe fix that problem uh, I, the only reason why I, I kind of pushed that is tonight there was a great conversation with a bunch of people on Twitter about about Tyler Myers and and defending the the play two nights ago against Colorado and oh. talking about how good he 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 is at a lot of things that he's just <laughs> not good at tonight and I just uh, we're supposed to be educated hockey fans and admittedly I watch the game differently than a lot of people but to. I just anyway, we don't have to get that deep, but I just wonder where those those things come from because to me it's painful most nights to watch Joe Morrow. It's painful to watch Tyler Myers from our from center ice in. Uh yeah. center ice out, he's 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 really good actually, in my opinion. Uh yeah. I would even include the neutral zone in that. Yeah, sure. It's really just in our own zone that he's a disaster. <laughs> it's like it, just do what you do. I say it almost every podcast. Do what you do in the offensive zone in your own zone, and we'll be fine. And, yeah. and it's just not happening. Anyway, I, those are just things that I'm curious about. Like I say, the, the Moro thing is really funny to me because every time him and Myers are on the ice, literally every time, uh, you might have questions. And and this is where, you know, you have a Sammy Niku that, you know, it, it might be crazy to compare him to Eric Carlson, um, but 
that's the style, right? And that's the sort of game you, you're looking for. And when you got a coach that started his coaching in 1997, maybe he doesn't see that. And maybe he doesn't play the game in his head that way. And that's, that's scary, I think. Well, I, I will I just add one thing, which I mentioned before, but if there's any new listeners, uh, this might be a good point for you. I know that some of you guys do this at, at different times too, but every time the Jets game is on, PVR the game. PBR the game, and then if you start hearing narratives about a certain player, like, oh, uh, I don't like Patan, but everyone's saying he's play good, go on the NHL.com, and you can actually find their shift charts, and you can see exactly. He started on the ice at 1754, the first period, and played till 18, or, you know, 1621 mm-hmm. or whatever. And you can see exactly the times they're on in, in about, you know, for most players, if they're under 15 minutes, you can watch all their shifts. In about 20 minutes, they'll take you to kind of fast forward. And you can watch. And I say just watch, not just to see them play the game of hockey, but actually say, okay, when they had possession, did they give up possession? When the puck came to them, were they able to control it and make a quick pass? When they got hit along the boards, were they able to push it forward to a teammate and still maintain possession for their team, or did they lose possession? When they flew around like a chicken with their head cut off hitting people, did they ever get possession? Right? When they when they took a shot, did they, um, did they shoot it into a guy's shins and leave themselves really exposed? defensively right when they when every time they got into the other team's end they had a chance to carry it in the zone did they just flip it up in the air and give up possession but yeah you got it in deep but on the other team stick like and and start to value what those what those things are if it's good right things that have possession uh as much as possible shots that are um you know dangerous scoring chances nice passing controlling the play all those things are what you're looking for not hits not for block shots not winning face-offs because those things uh, as much as they're easily measurable, they have the least overall value, right? And so if you, you want to know what a player is doing, I do this every single game. I pick a player, or usually it's a couple, and I will go watch, especially if I miss a game like tonight. I didn't. Uh, I just saw the very, very tail end of the game, uh, but was just tracking online. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to probably watch Joe Morrow, and I'm probably going to watch Patan because it sounded like he had a really good game. I'll probably watch Liney because he's Liney. And I'll, I'm just going to watch their shifts and only watch them on those things and have a much better idea of what they actually did as opposed to just kind of guessing what they did. And and so I think it, it, it helps you make a uh, better uh, – to be a better fan, to have a better understanding of who that player is, what they do, and if they're actually bringing true value or if they were just players that were on the ice for the game of hockey for a night. You know what I mean? And uh, because sometimes people value that too much, like the same nope. joke that I made about depth saying a depth is just a breathing body. Right. Well, to say that Joe Morrow, uh, for example, well, maybe I'll pick on someone else, whatever. Uh, let's say Patrick Liney was in the game tonight. Right. And so that obviously means that he was good because he's Patrick Liney as opposed to Brandon Lemieux, who's off to the side. Well, uh, obviously we know the difference between those two and who's better and who's worse, but the fact is, Pat, uh, Brendan Lemieux was not able to do anything tonight because he wasn't in the game. And Patrick Liney had every opportunity to do things because he was in the game. But what, what did he do with his opportunity? Did he actually do something valuable? Because if he didn't, then maybe you should look at changing things up, right? So, uh, whether it's line mates or, or time on ice or, or whatever it is, right? So I'll, I'll, I'll add to that. Here's a good example for me. I bet you if you watched Andrew Kopp and Brendan Tanev – Every game, every shift, Tanev is way more noticeable than Andrew Kopp is. Yeah. But I guarantee you Kopp is infinitely more productive than Tanev. Because Tanev, in my opinion, we talk about this every podcast, is terrible. He doesn't do anything to bring anything to the team. Being noticeable doesn't mean you're helping the team. Hitting people, making passes to nobody, skating quickly, none of that helps. Leaving the zone early. You always leaving- hate that one. Yeah, but Cop but is like an offensive lineman. If he doesn't take a holding penalty the whole game, he's probably doing his job. And and so I, I'll I agree with exactly what you're saying. And and even do that on a normal game. On a shift, pick a guy and watch him. I used to tell anybody that would argue about how good Toby Enstrom was, I'd always say, watch just watch him when he's on the ice. And you tell me what he's doing wrong. You tell me how many times he loses the puck because he's so small in the corner. Like once every nine games. And meanwhile, he's like pushed it to buff and absorbs a hit and then turns around and goes up ice, right? And, and he usually keeps the puck. I mean, obviously he had bad games last – the playoffs last year wasn't that great. And his playoffs before wasn't great. So it's not saying everything he does is turns to gold. But nobody's saying that about anyone. And, and the problem is if people just defend – 
their guy or who they like uh, blindly, like, you know, a Brendan Lemieux or Tanev or, or some of the players that are a bit more fringe. Obviously, it, we're all going to defend Line A to a certain extent because he's a star player and he's going to have his ups and downs in Bufflin, right, where uh, he's been controversial in the past, but generally they're they're easily defendable because you know that they bounce back and because they add more the guys that are harder to defend um you should maybe demand a little bit more of yourself to understand exactly what they're doing in the game and if it's valuable and if it's not valuable then quit saying that they're super great when they're they're not when somebody else could be better you know equal and or better right so the 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 whole idea like we even said the jets have a great record but uh, and katie made a great point about it they're they're still not playing like the greatest hockey or really controlling everything. And this team is good enough that they should. So we should demand that they should. And uh, the coach should demand that every player is, you know, better than they actually are. Right. Like just try and uh, just everybody be better than you are. And if you're not good enough, you know, there should be a next guy in line waiting to take your job. Like just play your best players. I know I understand there's roles and, and whatnot, but those roles have to fit within the most skilled players being out there that can do the most smart things right so all right i'm gonna shut up i talked way too much i didn't even think i was gonna come on tonight especially seeing that i didn't see 99 percent of the game so I, i'm gonna stop and i'm sure we'll be done soon like uh, i but, say yeah. ho- hockey's the only sport where you uh, don't always play your best players which is really yeah. really 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 weird that <laughs> there's a sport where you just purposely don't put your best player on on the field no. uh, because of some unknown un quantifiable reason I'm just going to play Matt Hendricks over Nick Patan because he just is a really good fucking guy. Like, yeah. See, you say unknown reason. I say shitty grasp on the concept of probability. <laughs> like, but do you think they're even going that if one player gives you a better chance to win the hockey game than another and you choose to play the inferior one anyway, you obviously don't get probability. You do not know how it works. So. Because, but Katie, do you think that, uh, like, and this is, a, this is a dead serious question. Paul Maurice has been coaching in the NHL for, what, 22 seasons? Mm-hmm. Do you honestly think anybody, anybody could hand him a spreadsheet that says, you know what, and he would listen? Oh, no. Hell no. No, he's, he's pretty smug. Yeah. Well, he, he, read, he reads a lot of books. Though. I mean, so. he, he's not one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You know what I he mean? And and that's and that's a hockey culture thing, right? Is and that's what that's what a lot of this this conversation comes back to. I made a joke this week with with some people that the Jets need uh, Sean McVay or or Steve Kerr to coach them because that's the sort of innovation that the NHL needs. Is, is, you know, uh, Greg Popovich, as far as I know, I'm not a big basketball guy anymore. There's like seven places on the floor that you are allowed to shoot the ball from if you're a San Antonio Spur. Because that's, if you shoot from there, it goes in X amount of times and those amount of shots equal these amount of points spread out over 48 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's, there's no questioning that. And this is what I don't understand. Again, you could, Matt Hendricks, Brendan Tanner, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like I say, a sport where you just arbitrarily put in a guy because uh, he squirts water on the linesman when he makes a bad call. Like, fuck. Like, I just don't understand it. I love the example. Hey, uh, maybe, maybe we should wrap it up, although I'd, uh, I'll give someone else the last word, except uh, Katie, I believe. Want to make mention of this? You're going to be joining us again uh, later this week. You're going to be on with Marat. Is that correct? Yes, I am. On Thursday night. So if uh, you like Katie, or if you don't because uh, you're not smart enough to appreciate Katie, you should definitely come back <laughs> Thursday and, and listen to uh, Katie with Marat and Ryan. And uh, they're going to be doing a little interview with Marat. And I will say this: uh, Marat, uh, the first episode he was on was by far our most popular episode, so I think it'll be a big one. So, Katie, you'll have a, a bigger audience than, uh, than tonight's recap. The recaps, you know, they do well, but then the next game comes and people aren't listening to old recaps with interviews. Usually, uh, they still bang for a while. So, uh, that'll be fun to have you and him on talking smart talk. So Yeah, and hey. Murad is a lot smarter and a lot nicer than me. So, I, I, <laughs> I guarantee, I think a, a few more people want to tune in because of him. Yeah, uh, AJ, are we... 
Are we doing hashtags on recap games? Oh, we, we could do a hashtag. If someone's still listening by now, we should. Yeah, then yes. we'll do a hashtag, see if someone shouts so, it out. So, Alistair, pick a hashtag for tonight just to see if at least one person is going to listen to the end. Usually we do an old, <laughs> obscure player, you know. Okay. Um, hashtag Nick Antropov. Nice. <laughs> Nick Antropov, you heard it here first, folks. I was actually uh, going to set up a, a trivia thing for tonight, too, but uh, I figured we'll save that and do that as a standalone episode when there's a bit of a gap in the schedule. So um, we are not doing trivia tonight, so those who stay tuned to think that you're getting to it, we're not. It's not happening. So, uh, we've got a busy week. So, Well, I just want to say uh, thanks for uh, our guests tonight. Alistair and Katie were awesome. I want to say AJ talked too much as usual. And uh, listen listen to our old episodes. We had some great episodes this week. I got to interview Jay Onright from SportsCenter, which was number one. That's awesome. And there was some other shit that happened, but listen to that. And uh, thanks so much, guys, for uh, joining us. And uh, this was the game recap. Thank you so much. I, I will say, I, I know I, you just said I talked too much, but this week we have on potential, well, we've got Hustlers coming on. Uh, we might have Randy Turner on. These are all people that are confirmed guests, but we're just hoping that we can get to it this week. Uh, Leah Hextall, Randy Turner, uh, Hustler, uh, Patrick Williams. And Man! One, wow! That's, that's, potentially, that's potentially all this week. So that's... Uh, and then there's more beyond that too. So uh, that's the, that's all supposed to happen. Uh, Chris, I think you might be interviewing Leah, if I'm not mistaken. I think we chatted briefly about that. So um, we're gonna figure stuff out. And there's and there's more guests after that too. So it's a, a lot of fun. And so you should all definitely check with the old episodes like Chris. Uh, Chris, the other ones that we had was uh, Sean Reynolds this week and Mitch Peacock, and we had a bunch of old uh, great ones with Ace Burpee and Scott Campbell and Murat before. And then uh, again, more great guests coming up, and we'll do some more fun recaps too. So. Oh hey, since we're here. Uh, I have never, I never have once mentioned my Twitter. I'm CMac Live. Just for the record, Katie, what's your Twitter handle? Botany and vodka. No, oh, wait, I'm not. I swear to God, it is. Okay, she changed it. I did. I changed it last week. Nice. Okay. And Al- Alistair, yours? Uh, I'm at Alistair underscore Moet. Spell yeah, your and were... spell your Alistair because there's five different ways to spell it. <laughs> That there is uh, A L I S T A I R underscore Moat M O W A T. Nice. Oh, actually, that was sorry, Alistair. That was the other thing this week. You might be. We mentioned tonight. Uh, I still got to firm up the plans, but you might be interviewing uh, Micah McCurdy this week too. So. Oh, hey, is that this week? That's that's good to hear. <laughs> it might be. I'm supposed to touch. <laughs> After I get off the phone and my kids go to bed, I will be. Uh, sending dms out to all the people that i've started conversations and confirmed he is a confirmed guest it's just not all those people i mentioned are confirmed guests it's just a matter if it happens this week because sometimes with people's schedules as much as it'd be nice to spread those all out sometimes they all just hit at the same time like oh geez well okay let's get these done so when you uh, have, yeah you, you might be doing that when you have the power guests like we have man we make those other guys look like fools our guests are the best <laughs> yeah. all right Hashtag no. Nick Antropov. If you if you tweet the Jet Centric Twitter with a hashtag Nick Antropov, you'll get a guaranteed retweet. Guaranteed. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I'll Good night. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Good night, everybody.